This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. I'm going to try to say three, two, one, and countdown and continue the one until I say, hey, folks, just to see. Okay, so I come in. Hey, Christian. Hey, uh, Lindsay, you ready to go? Uh, yeah. We sure are. Yeah. Okay, three, two. Hey, welcome. There you go. <laughs> Tells all this that time. live feel. Got some tennis on here. I don't want to reveal what time we're actually taping this, so let's just say I'm watching Rod Laver and John Newcomb play. <laughs> and uh, they've just gotten in a matter transformer. And unfortunately for Newcomb, there was a fly in his pod. And uh, he's coming out looking all Jeffy Goldblum. Welcome to uh, Dennis Miller. What is it called? The Dennis Miller Option, Option. on Westwood One. <laughs> and I'm watching. Uh, have you have you watched any of the U.S. Open, Christian? I have not. My my hiking mate Jimmy Connors just went back, so I'm hoping I catch him, uh, either being fated or honored or something. Although he uh, is a low key cat, so I'm not sure that'll happen. But maybe they'll show him in the crowd. I'm watching this Italian guy called uh, Burrattini, which I think is some sort of pasta where a bell goes off and the kids run through <laughs> uh, Caruso's neighborhood for pasta. And uh, he, there, he's playing this switched-on brother from France called Monfils, um, who's really an amazing, amazing athlete. And I think this is as far as he made it. He seems like he has the love of a good woman now, and she with him, and they both have made uh, quarters. So you can see how it's a stabilizing factor on the road. I just saw them sitting on a practice court together. He and his uh, lady fair laughing and all that. And I was thinking, boy, what a benefit that must be if you fall in love with somebody on a tour. And uh, especially if it's not two guys or two women, because then you might have to play each other. And that turns into a nightmare. What about uh, what, what about in the future if there's a mixed doubles and it has to be two transsexuals playing? Oh, like it can't be a man and a woman. That's no, no longer the definition of mixed doubles. Correct. Maybe uh, hmm. we'll think on that. I don't know if that's even allowed to be said that. But after I'm ashamed to even say that after watching uh, Chappelle's thing. Have you seen it? I did. I watched it last night. <laughs> oh God bless you. <laughs> Oh, folks, if you want to just go back to a time when you could hear things that were obviously uh, completely in politically incorrect, and you don't even have to agree with all of them. It's just a nice head scratch, isn't it, Christian, <laughs> to go back yeah. and think. <laughs> and by the way, I think I, uh, if I'm, I remember, I might have beat that, uh, what was that uh, bisexual joke he did? Or uh, I said, I, I don't care what sex anybody is unless, of course, they're bisexual because I happen to find them. I think I did this 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I remember this, actually. Incredibly greedy motherfuckers. <laughs> that is what you said. <laughs> I don't care what they fuck, but come down off the fence and pick a hole. <laughs> Just uh, fuck whatever you want, but fuck it consistently. Can't. That must have been on the pre-politically uh, correct thing. Yeah. I don't think in the midst of that I could have gotten away with that. But he had the 
Same sort of take about uh, the LGBT community in a car ride together, which is hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, the alphabet the people. L's and the, the G's are up front carving turf and the uh, B's in the back seat just lounging. How fuck anything in the car? Which <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh. Uh. Yeah, some of the insights in there are brilliant. He's in the top ten comedians uh, ever, I think. Yeah, I was that that thing about uh, that's one of the wisest jokes or th perceptions of modern life I've ever heard. Where the censor says to him, you know, why he says, "Why can't I use the uh, the f word, word for homosexual?" For, yeah, yeah, with double G in it. Yeah, and she says, "Because you're not gay." He said, well, you, you, know, you allow me capricious use of the other double G word for blacks. <laughs> and she said, yeah, but you're not gay. And he said, yeah, I'm not a <laughs> double G uh, either. That floored me. That was great. <laughs> great insight. And it'll, but it also shows you that, uh, you know, there are certain things you, I can't, to comment on how wise I find that as a white man, I can't say the double G word or my thing will be ruined. Right, sure. So I do think uh, he's super courageous, but he also, you know, he, he's got a, he's got a firewall too in a way. So uh, it was a great special though, fascinating to watch. And uh, I, I'm not sure what the title plays on my last special. I did that thing about it's official sticks and stones. Uh, names now hurt us more than sticks and stones. So <laughs> right. It's called sticks and stones, and I'm sure he's. Uh, thinking of the uh, same thing about how that all that matters and he takes no prisoners with this crowd i really admired that and around uh, you know i used to when i'd watch chris rock specials there were a few jokes where you'd just shake your head and think oh my god that's so smart and uh, this might have had a dozen in it quite frankly where you just say oh that's so smart and so profane and so uh, politically incorrect and so incendiary Thus, so cathartic. So I couldn't give it a higher recommendation. Although I, I, we must have people uh, who are in this audience who are Christians because periodically they'll scold me for saying fuck. Yeah. And uh, it's rough, folks. It's rough. You know, and it, it, it's always odd to me that, uh, but I, as I get older, I try not to think for other people as much. I guess there are some people who watch a special and the the main thing that matters to them is profanity in that, right? Yeah. And I, in a world that's really, quite frankly, gone mad, I mean, it's degenerated into a, you know, a Hieronymus Bosch litho. Indeed, one that he crumbled up and threw in the trash can near the drawing table because he said this is too rough. Well, to go back to the uh, ant guy eating the guy, <laughs> uh, you know, down in the yeah. down in the Chilean mine disaster. Um, Remember that fucking thing. That's I remember Dr. Keith Ablow, one of the low moments in psychotherapy and television simultaneously. Standing astride, gacking those two massive mediums in like latter-day gormless Colossus of Rhodes, Keith Ablow. They bring the guy up and, uh, you know, they have to bring him up in like a Cohiba tube where they've got to slather him in KY and fit it in some fat slob. And they bring him up from the depths after 45 days and... Keith Ablow watches him get out and squint the flash bulbs at night and says, uh, uh, this is where the hard work begins. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, really? <laughs> so I'm down in the bat cave for 45 days with a bunch of jerk-offs sitting on an ottoman I've crafted out of my own stool. 
finally get back on the surface, I'm going to go home and watch uh, Sky TV soccer for the next three days with the old lady. Maybe catch a bonk. And uh, this is the hard part. Not down there. No. No, not uh, <laughs> me eyeing the skinniest guy there and hoping he croaks so I have to eat him. <laughs> that, no, no, that, that, that was a piece of cake. Now I got to go and see the wife. Keith <laughs> but uh, it's uh, the the Chappelle thing. Highly recommended. And then right after it, um, yeah, I watched a lot of TV last night. But I don't know. I tried reading, and I I need a good book right now. I've got a bunch of good books. I should say I need a great book. And uh, reading a good book now called One Lucky Fan, about a guy who goes to every basketball, hockey, football, and baseball park. Wow. And he does many of them in the course of uh, like a six-month period where he has to finish off around 80 of them. It's just this uh, madcap Phileas Fogg, you know, meets uh, uh, Mike Lupica type thing where he's <laughs> running around the planet with uh, no passepartout in hand. I admire the guy's uh, alacrity with travel because... Well, you've traveled with me, Christian. How far into that trek would I make it? I, I would have a better chance of summiting Everest, folks, <laughs> than going into airports 60 times in 80 days. <laughs> I mean, really, I'd end up in a cell <sighs> with uh, Carlos the Jackal V, <laughs> and he'd say, well, I tried to blow up uh, an entire airport. What about you? And i just look and i go, really cranky. <laughs> Really, and he's like, really? You ended up in the same place as me? You know, they're about to waterboard us and to to see what your source of crankiness is. I say, I won't spill, but it's been ugly. And then you try to get me out and... Uh, you should have heard how loud this lady was talking on her phone. All right, Carlos? <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's what I'm reading one. And, and I'll finish that. And that sounds I, like a good I, listen, one. Listen, I, I, I don't have the backbone to write a book, so I, I didn't mean to trivialize that book. It's quite uh, quite charming. Sounds and like one that's easy to put down and uh, pick back up, though, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's something you read on the toilet, but most of us are so uptight now, we haven't shit in around four years. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say society has a bigger stick up its ass than Giacometti's Walking Man. Somebody ought to go into one of those uh, museums where they have a uh, Giacometti's Walking Man. Do you know the the thing? Tall, thin, sort of looks like a Whitley Strieber thing and really malformed clay. Uh, you know, the, the uh, alien in communion. Sure. Uh, but it's tall and thin and uh, usually it's walking uh, with a stick up its ass. And uh, uh, who was the guy, Laszlo Toth, who ruined the Pieta uh, with a chisel? Do you remember that, or is that too young for you? That's not something that's uh, ringing any bells, no. Well, there was a beautiful statue, you should Google, called the Pieta, P-I-E-T-A. And uh, a madman named Laszlo Toth took a chisel and took out the eyes on the Christ in the mother's arms. And then uh, Don Novello, who played Father Guido Sarducci, <laughs> wrote a brilliant parody book called The Laszlo Letters, where he would sign all his letters Laszlo, and he would just send them to corporate heads requesting the most insane things, you know, and they would answer. And the, the key to it was that was on the left side of the page, 
And then on the right page uh, would be the reply they got from United Airlines, right. know, encouraging them to put sofas in instead of chairs. <laughs> they have to treat everybody with uh, inclusion <laughs> so you'd get these amazing letters. Well, the average sheet is like 32. <laughs> and we've measured, you know, we depends what you mean by sofa, but that would really cut back on our ability to earn. And you're just thinking, oh, Christ. So funny, the things you don't take seriously in life. Like this fucking idiot who just shot up uh, Odessa calling in and literally almost offering his services as the next gunman. Nobody takes him up on that. But you can get a letter back from a major corporation who think they might lose a few bucks if they don't answer you like you're saying. So anyway, um, I think there's another variation on that theme by a pretty funny comedian named Barry Marder, M-A-R-D-E-R, called Letters from a Nut. Oh, I've heard of that book. Crazy letters. But uh, the Laszlo Toth is uh, the Laszlo letters. And um, I don't even know how I got over on him. I was talking about the Pieta, but what led to Pieta? Anybody You're remember? talking about Anybody the uh, Giacometti's Walking Man and how... Oh, oh somebody should go, go into a museum where there's one and put a Fitbit on its skin. <laughs> or maybe some pedometer on its ankle. But it's so thin. <laughs> It's uh, Giacometti's Walking Man has a small, smaller hands than, let's see, what can I isolate in the universe that has the smallest hands ever? Me! <laughs> you know, I don't know if uh, Lindsay's ever heard you talk about uh, about the time that you uh, visited. Uh, I, the, I don't want to use his name. Yeah, no, you don't have to. I visited a boy once who had a uh, horrible accident. And his parents had said that I was his hero to some degree. And if I was ever back a certain way, would I visit with him? And I was back his way. I'm going to leave the story very not. Ah, oh, they're showing footage of my man, Jimmy Carter. Sorry. Boom! Oh, how can you tee off and hit a backhand that hard with two hands and keep it in the court? A stone killer. And uh, anyway, um, so I'm back that way. And I go, oh, Jimmy, such, oh, he was a bad boy. They're playing on clay, and uh, they show footage of Jimmy just teeing off on a backhand, and the leaves a mark, you know. And the, the guy says that he thought it was out, and he's pointing down and asking the judge to get down. This is ages ago, obviously, before they have this court cam or whatever the hell it is which we could use in all aspects of American life, by the way, just this little thing that freezes it and shows where the ball hit. Um, I'd love to have that where people could be called on things immediately on your phone or something. Just hold it up. Well, here's you saying that. So the guy's pointing down and the judge is about to get down and look at it and Jimmy runs around and that goes over, uses his foot to scuff it out. <laughs> oh, Jesus, what a tough move. I have to ask him what the thinking was on that one. So, um, you go visit this boy. Anyway, I'm back in the area where the kid lives and I go to his school and pick him up in a limousine because uh, there was some teasing involved as I heard. And I uh, waited at the end of his steps. He came out and uh, he comes down the steps. And this boy has had real pain in his life. And I'm waiting there. I go, hey, uh, son. And he goes, well, does. And so eventually the kid later in life uh, gets all of it behind him. And is leading a very nice, normal, productive life. He got married and he had some treatments done on his accident. And he had written a book about it and he was going on the uh, 
Jane who's married to the Doonesbury guy. Jane Pauley. Yeah. I think he's going on her show. And uh, he uh, says he's going to talk about me. And I say, I'd rather you didn't. That's sweetie. He says, oh, I'll send you a book. He sends me a book and there's a chapter uh, literally called Dennis. It's one of the chapters in the book. No. So he said, you'll like this chapter. So I go to it. It's very sweet. But he said, and there I came down the front steps to the school. And there he was. My parents must have called him, unbeknownst to me. And he had a car, and we were going to go out and eat. <laughs> and I got in a car with him, and I, here I was, alone in a car with my hero. And uh, he had the smallest hands I've oh. ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your small hands inspired his whole life. <laughs> they, they cut through the white hot pain he was in. <laughs> It, it, it was like, uh, it, it, it's almost like uh, I felt like I served as a, you know, cutters where I just want to feel something, man. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like I feel he was completely null and voided out. And he looked over and said, well, there's something I can grab on. My hands are bigger than his. <laughs> no good deed. <laughs> oh. Anyway, what are we doing today, Christian? We have a guest? No, the uh, the guest... Is the audience guy is uh, lighting up Baratini? You should see. It's so sweet to see this because uh, I guess this guy has been a great athlete for a while. Black cat from France. I I don't know, but uh, I guess he's never lived. I don't even know his name, so I don't think he's won a major or anything. But he looks like he could, especially with Federer out now. Do you know if Nadal Nadal loses tonight? It's the first time in like fifteen or since two thousand and four, I believe. The one of those three won't be in the semifinals of a major. Wow. Think about that. Think about Nadal with, with 18 majors, could win 19. Federer with 20. And I think uh, uh, Djokovic comes in maybe at 18, 17, somewhere in there. So imagine that uh, Nadal and Federer are like really two guys on top of the mountain. It's hard to imagine a third guy coming in. And uh, like I saw somebody talking about it today, some coach, I think it's Serena Williams's coach, and he made a brilliant observation. He's like, can you imagine if time and fate and all that had just dictated that the other two people did not exist? How many majors the other one would have won? You know, you look at Federer, he's got 20 majors. It's the most ever. For ages, it was Roy Emerson, 13, then Sampras at 14. And now you've got somebody at 20, and the number two and three people with 18 and 17, I think, got 35 more majors. If they didn't exist, just regular players exist, and the math of it dictated he's not going to win them all. But he, he could have over 30 major wins. Pretty mind-boggling. But uh, the Monfils kid looks like he's having his moment, and I attribute it to this uh, happy, healthy. Anytime you're playing a match in the afternoon and two hours before it, they show you on the court laughing like uh, Eric Siegel's written your exercise regimen that day you know love means never having the wally he's sitting there just laughing with his girlfriend it was so sweet looking that i thought boy that's got to be a great relaxer anyway we uh, obviously don't have a guest or christian would have jumped in somewhere along the way so i guess we're uh, free balling the the guest is the audience you think the pope's ever free balling under that robe do you think he's ever not yeah all right, just stepping out there on that balcony, Dominus Fabiscum. Ooh, that feels good. <laughs> A little breeze coming in today off the Rhine. 
Every river in a foreign country to me, even if it's Italy, is the Rhine. Yeah. Because I don't want to study rivers. <laughs> Except if it's Johnny. Secret agent man. Secret agent man. See, that's the key to Johnny uh, Rivers singing. People didn't realize he was allergic to oysters and he would pop the <laughs> one right before a recording session. Yeah. And his throat would tighten down and the anaphylactic shock and it gave him that. Well, you ain't got a thing if you ain't got that Johnny Rivers thing. Do-wop, 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 do-wop. And I don't mean anything against Italians there. Do-wop. It's an old thing, kids. You really have to break it down for children now. You do. so easily bruisable. And children are getting so old now. I know. I know. What was I? I was watching once that, uh, I was watching a riot in Paris that they were flipping Peugeots over. Sure. Muslim uh, ghetto because they were asking women to show more of their face under driver's license thing. You know, you know, just you know, they were kind of just giving up the uh, who's Scott in the X Men Cyclops. Yeah, but what's his last name? Scott Summers. Yeah, well, the, the the women were coming in doing the Scott Summers thing. All you'd see is the eye slit and. Uh, Mine is Scott Summers coming in for his driver license photo. I think we need to see more of your eyes. And he flips it open and just destroys the fucking DMV. <laughs> That's why he um, always Ubers. Beast, keep your feet at 10 and 2. When you drive. <laughs> is there still a guy named the Beast? Sure, yeah. He's still blue and furry. Yeah, when I was, well, it wasn't that when I was young. Yeah. Blue and yellow suits and his feet were huge and. He would uh, drive with them, and that's why he got into the school. A lot of them protested with Professor X. You know, they'd say, listen, I, I'm, I'm a teenager. I, I can grunt like I'm taking a shit and I'm on fire and I can fly. And this motherfucker comes in with no shoes on? Huh? No shoes, no shirt, no X-Men. But, uh, yeah, so I'm watching this riot in Paris, and they're rioting about that. And then there's a riot two weeks later about uh, uh, their dental benefits at age 65 have been clipped back. Because, you know, everybody in the European continent is worried about their choppers. Come on, for Christ's sake. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of fucked up infantilization and paternalistic government gets 19-year-old French kids worrying about their veneers when they're 65? You know, they're 20. Anybody remember when, when you were 20 in Paris? You you just, uh, you know, sat and rode all day and then put an IV, a pernode in your arm and fucked all night and then ran eight inches off a bull's horn with your friends all the while drinking from a goatskin flask. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Best day of my life. Now you got a kid in a beret, you know. I'm going to have to start wearing the beret over my face if they take away my dental. And I'm just, shut up. You know, on average, it takes police 45 minutes to respond to a home security alarm, almost an hour. When a home security system is triggered, a lot of time police assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list, but not with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has video verification technology, which helps police get on the scene up to three 0.5 times faster. Simply Safe can visually confirm that a break-in is happening, giving police precise information about where an intruder is in a home and whether they're armed. 
so they have all the information they need to get there faster and catch a criminal ASAP. Simply Safe also protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring. They make it easy on you. There's no contract, hidden fees, or fine print. It's won a ton of awards from CNET to the New York Times Wirecutter. Prices are always fair and honest. Around-the-clock monitoring starts at just $15 a month. And for my listeners right now, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on. Go to simplysafe.com slash Miller and get free shipping and a money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash Miller today. Simplysafe.com slash Miller. Anywho, what's up in the well, uh, not so much about the uh, the special itself, but when we were talking about the Chappelle special, I wanted to point out that uh, it's a great indicator of uh, where we're at with this sort of thing is that uh, Rotten Tomatoes, when uh, the special was first up, the uh, the critic rating was 0% the first time it's ever happened, but the fan rating was 99%, also the first time it's ever happened. So uh, it couldn't be further yeah. apart. I think there's anonymity there, too. Listen, when your name's on a column as a critic right now and you're a young person with a movie critic thing, do you realize you can't write a favorable review of that? You won't be the critic. Yeah. So people all say, isn't it odd that all of them uniformly turn on Chappelle? Yeah, I know they're uptight. I know everybody's. But even if you weren't, even if you were embedded and predisposed and you had your own movie critic column on a website and you were making 60 a year when a lot of your friends are making nothing and you get to watch movies, are you really going to come out and say, I really like this special, I think he's brave? You would be fired. You wouldn't have that gig anymore. So when I watch those things, I think, yeah, there's a lot of pain in the ass, uh, pilty, whiny young people now. And then there's a few, probably a few, I'd say 10%, are going to say the same thing as the whiny ones do because they don't want to lose the gig. You know, some people are cagey about losing their job. I assume that's on CNN too, MSNBC. Not many of them. I think most of them are committed, you know, zealots and literally wake up. And imagine what a win it is for Trump that all these people who hate him, how, how soon after you think they wake up that their eyes open up that they think of Trump? I don't even think their eyes are open. I think that uh, it's it's kind of what wakes them up is is their hatred. Well, if not that, and that's possible, I'm not demeaning that theory, but I guarantee you all these people you see on these news things within one minute of awakening again. What do they call, uh, you know, uh, sleep and mini death or whatever? Mm -hmm. After literally or Christopher Leeing from the dead again. And, uh, you know, you're before your feet hit the ground in many instances that you think of Donald Trump. Now, that really amazes me. And they're going to say, oh, that's not the case. But really watch them. You really think? Uh, like I said, I'd say nine out of ten. He's so far in their fucking kitchen. He might as well be Shirley Booth. And then there's <laughs> one person out of ten who probably sees it a little smarter but thinks, wait a second, I'm on TV. Christ, not all the bad jobs in the world. I'm going to come forward today and think, say I don't think Donald Trump's Satan. Gone. Tomorrow. Uh, that's what's happened with Jake Tapper. You know, Tapp's pretty smart. Yeah, he's he a good guy. He has to put that same pensive face on. You know, they cut to them. They always look so... <laughs> I don't know. They have that look on their face like, uh, you know, when the V's look can't figure out what the, you know... <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the, the peanut buttered frisbee means. You know, <laughs> you know I know you don't uh, watch uh, CNN much, and uh, so I, I'm sure I'm you're trying to think if I did. You know, I went in once uh, to pitch a show to Jeff Zucker because he had hired me years ago, and I went in to pitch sort of a counterpoint show. Yeah, because I'd seen somebody they had had on there who I didn't think was very good, and I thought, well, I think I can do that better than them, and with more. Of a lighter touch, and I know people are going to tell you, folks, that I'm a right wing nut. But if you if you do listen to this to a large degree, I think you know I have conservative leanings, but I'm hardly a nut about them. Mostly, I don't give a shit about humanity, uh, you know, except the ones that uh, individuals that I find so noble break my heart, and I have my loved ones. But I, I really have mastered some Zen over the years that I can help who I can help, and then I can't spend every waking moment being devastated by it because it is devastating right now. And we're completely privy to it. Uh, something minor can happen in Micronesia. And you can have it on three angles. You know, we don't have camera coverage at our border like we do at a, uh, you know, a bizarre marketplace. Uh, and I mean, B-A-Z, you know, somewhere in northern Africa that can go up in a second because some local kid's been jacked up into thinking that the infidel deserves to die. So, you know, you'd go nuts watching it on a day-to-day -day basis and letting all of it in. But uh, I, I, I don't feel like maybe through a combination of disinterest, age, and uh, some sort of, uh, I don't know, a, level of, a, a complete awareness that what goes on in my head should not go on inside anybody else's head, nor the vice versa. I'm pretty accommodating. But uh, let's face facts, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, uh, dead. And if you want to be dead career-wise, you, you should not be uh, on TV right now saying you like Trump in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so I assume that's what Tap's doing. What do you think, Tap? He's probably making three to five right now, right? You know, he's had that job for a while, so I think he's probably gotten a few raises, you know. Okay, and so he maybe does five to seven yeah. million dollars yeah. a year? He does their Sunday show, too, so, you and know. And they, you know, and he's, he's sitting writing, thinking, well, that was a good thing Trump did there. And, you know, when he did that thing where um, he overturned a lot of Democratic legislation over the years that uh, helped, uh, you know, all this time. They always talk about how uh, black men are unjustly, and you know, percentage-wise in the prison system. He does a presidential order or passes it to uh, alleviate that to some degree, and they still have to wait in and say they hate him and why it's wrong. And, uh, you know, he's starting to get, uh, you know, with the unlikely, they can't even concede that Kim Kardashian might serve some other purpose than their ridicule in the world. And I, I, all I'm saying is I'm at the point where I know it's about 99% ridicule with the Kardashians. And then 1% of it, if somebody, anybody does anything that's worthwhile, and it looks like she really helped that woman get out of jail, which seemed like she'd served certainly enough time, even if the guiltiest of uh, the accusation... You think, uh, okay, I got to give her that, or I'm the idiot. Uh, you know, I become as vacuous as I always, uh, as the population in general thinks the the Kardashians are. Uh, so um, it's just that inability to concede any turf over there that's become so tiresome. I read a brilliant Conrad Black piece this morning. If any of you out there need to read a few people to, uh, even if you're on the left, and you want an accurate depiction that won't insult you intellectually, if that's possible. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson is a great read. And, uh, you know, he used to say uh, our uh, friend uh, Charles uh, Krauthammer, uh, but he's not writing as much since he's passed. 
and uh, and a Conrad Black, brilliant writer. But uh, he left a bit of an enigmatic note at the bottom of today's column. It talks about how incendiary the 2020 election is going to be and how it could be a landslide. But I notice he's usually, well, just read it and you'll see what you think and we'll pretend we talk in the next week. But uh, I would say Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson, two people you should read even no matter what side of it on. I'm trying to think who on the left I would read. Well, it's getting harder. I, I do read Paul Krugman because I find it so ludicrous. I'm always saving them, thinking, well, he'll have to apologize, <laughs> but he's not going to apologize for anything. Nothing. And who else on the uh, left do I try to read? Mm. I must say nobody on a steady basis. I guess there's that guy from the Washington Post. Um, I forget his name, but uh, Dana something. Uh, even he doesn't make sense. Uh, I used to a long time ago make a little bit of sense. Dana Milbank, isn't his name? Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, I don't know. David Brooks, I know he's the the uh, House uh, conservative at the New York Times, uh, which makes him more liberal than anybody else on the planet Earth outside the New York Times. <laughs> but <there's right> <laughs> There, he's thought of as the, uh, the great balancer. Well, we have David Brooks here. Every day Brooks is showing up. And, oh, Thomas Friedman's a liberal that I, I, th I think has done some good writing. From Beirut to Jerusalem is a brilliant examination of uh, the modern uh, Arab world. Is it Arab? I never know if it's Arab, Islam, Muslim. Are they all the same thing? You know, I... Is, I was, is everybody in... A, is, is there a place called Arabia now? Well, there's Saudi Arabia. But uh, not mm -hmm. just straight up uh, non-Saudi Arabia. I think that that's that's the only Arabia we have. So I don't know how many Arabian nights we have, and I also don't know how many tales they tell. But uh, <laughs> all of these are good questions. Or how much tail they chase. <laughs> that's what I used to like about the Shah of Iran. Is uh, <laughs> you know, as crazy as he was, once a year he wanted to go to Beirut and fuck high-end uh, European hookers. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. He was a, a secularist, let's call him. But, uh, you know, he uh, he wanted to get laid in this world, so thus you could leverage him. <laughs> uh, then Khomeini took over, and he, he didn't even think he got the fuck high end European hookers till he croaked. No. There was no talking to him. <laughs> We're going to say, this is going to cause you headaches. This could catch up to you. This could get you vaporized. He said, fine, I'll get laid. <laughs> So you, you always got to pick the guy who can get laid on this side of the uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so the reason I bring up CNN, because I think that you don't realize the gold mine that you're missing uh, tonight, because this is Wednesday when we're recording, uh, that uh, they are having 10 town halls uh, for Ten. yeah Democratic candidates over the course of seven hours. Each of them, it's one-on-one, it's -on -one, uh, one per candidate, about 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes. And the seven hours is going to be spent talking about climate change. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't believe, uh, yeah, I don't even mind climate change, I'll be honest with you. I don't. So I, I, I'm a, I, I'm a, it's a win-win for me. If it doesn't exist, I'm right. And if it does exist, I kind of like it. And, you know, I always say I'm chilly. I'm going to take all the money I save on sweaters and uh, <laughs> going uh, to get a bone and work on some caribou antlers, buff those up, get them cherry for the Meekum show. I'm taking my caribou into the Meekum auctions. 
And I want those really good. And you know, the way to buff them, some people get it confused. They think you get a caribou chamois and get up there. No, you get a bone. <laughs> and uh, I like to use a meat bone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and you get in there and you really, you buff it up. You pretend it's the, I always pretend there it's like a billiard ball that can hurt me. I get in there and I want to get it buffed up. And then right before I send them out, I put a rack Oh, that a shot, though. I, I, I was going to try and stop you, but I felt like it was going to turn into, uh, you know, Ed McMahon when he's like, you don't know, Johnny, I've been there. Uh, what about the Mets last night? Oh, I was so glad I didn't watch. <laughs> I, I saw I the didn't score. watch either. I just, uh, I was watching a little at the beginning and then yeah. I flipped it over to watch tennis. Yeah. And I woke up this morning and read they lost 11-10. Yeah, they uh, gave up a seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. Edwin Diaz has, has literally been arrested for arson this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, you know how they play you on from the bullpen with oh, a song? They, they might sure. as well. I've been dead for a thousand years and I'm putting out fire with gasoline. That's what he gets played on with now. And that can't be good. Jersey Femia comes on to Timothy. Coal mining disaster. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I wanted to. <laughs> I was trying to think who would come on with Patches, but Patches oh. is essentially a black sharecropper song. And if I picked a black reliever, then I'd be. Yeah. I, listen, I said Chappelle's brave, not me. No, 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 no. I'm too by, I'm too by the boards now. I'm uh, older and I want to fight the headaches and I don't have the uh, the cultural clout he has to escape this. Even him, look, what'd you say? They gave him a zero. The, the critics gave him a zero, yeah. Holy Christ, can you imagine if I came out and said some of that stuff? I'd be like... Uh, what, what if you just said one of those things? <laughs> well, I have, but like I said, I must oh, yeah, have yeah. did it at the time. You that, did it at the uh, right the, time. The Dubai thing. I, it must have been, that must have been the last gas station before the desert. <laughs> because I look back on that, I look back on some of those jokes and think, wow, how did I get away with that? I mean, come down off the fence and pick a hole. <laughs> come on. It's oh, great. Jesus, if I did that today. <laughs> Anywho, I'm uh, not. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. We've got a little game we like to play called Radio Charades. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me, but that adds to the intrigue of the game. Go ahead, Christian. It's a movie. I can already tell. <laughs> so I I wanted to get your thoughts on... Uh, <laughs> don't be so sincere. The, the people know this is stagecraft. No, none of this is written. You don't want my thoughts, but we got to finish this hour, right? Well, you know, we got this or one and then we got another one to do. Listen, think of me as a shrink. I remember I had a shrink, one of the most effective shrinks I've ever had, who would... I could be in the middle of saying... Um, you know what I mean? The most cosmic insight <laughs> about my neuroses ever. And if I was in the middle of it, he would look at me and say, and up to that point, I would have thought, wow, he's hanging on my every word, like the Lincoln conspiracy guys. And, uh, and I'd say, and then I thought, you know what this, you know where this comes from in my youth? He's like, you know, our time's up, Dennis. <laughs> I, I, but, but the, I, we'll get it next week. Oh, Jesus. 
And then I would look at him like with consternation, like, what the fuck? I thought you cared about me or something. And he'd always say to me, um, uh, transference is the therapeutic part of this exchange. And if it's not clearly delineated, nobody wins here. I go, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking to somebody else, be it a, you know, parental figure or the inner part of you that's cowed and broken. And uh, I'm not him. I, I just sit across from you and I evoke that. But it does the patient no good if he really starts mistaking me for a patriarchal figure. <laughs> I go, okay, I'll go. Fucking moron. <laughs> but he was great. Yeah. I, for no other reason, he taught me not to be a pussy about certain things. His indifference healed me. <laughs> Empathy is overrated as a, as a palliative, as a psychic bomb. I'm saying at some point, raw indifference is what, is what gives your id rhino skin. <laughs> did you ever see the uh, the short film that uh, Stephen Wright did? It was called The Appointments of Dennis Jones. Yeah, Dennis yeah, Jones where, won the Oscar yeah, for Where Rowan Atkinson is his psychiatrist. And he looks and at first he's like just, you know, writing out his grocery list while he's talking. But then he's <laughs> sketching pictures of him as in Rowan Atkinson choking Stephen Wright. <laughs> and then he sees him out to dinner with his girl. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, yeah, it was brilliant. And it was the most, it, you know, uh, Stephen was always so surreal that for him to win the Oscar was the Yeah, he probably the just got surreal. up. And, he got up and just said, thanks. Well, that was probably it. Oh, God. I miss Stephen. I, I don't even know how I'd call him. I haven't talked to him in so many years. But I always thought he was a, a genius. He's on that top ten. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd put on my top ten. Now I'll have to move Chappelle there. Um, I, I I guess the... I don't know Louis' work as well as I should, but I guess he would certainly... Well, yeah, I'm talking about my top ten, so I can't put him until I see more. Yeah. Um, Plus, you know, he, he's Chappelle. he's been stricken from all lists for uh, right now. I wouldn't do that. And then Chappelle's comment on that was brilliant. I too. thought so, too. <laughs> he said, who feels threatened when a guy's just jerked off and, I guess I shouldn't tell well, him, but if you see you this special, watch it, yeah, yeah. And like I said, please, Christian fans. Uh, oh yeah, or listeners, I won't be so bold as to deem you fans of mine. <laughs> Christian listeners, don't go over there no. unwarned. It is rough, and if that's your criteria for what you like, it is special. Is just that it's wholesome, and you know, insightful. Be damned. Uh, don't go there because it is rough. But some of it, uh, it listen. In, in amidst that cacophony of profanity and the un, the unspeakable, it is uh, in many ways as uh, as sentient as a Norman Rockwell litho. I mean, it really it it, it uh, might as well be the culture in the old dentist chair because it's brilliant. <laughs> um, you know, think of it not as the general store, but the acutely specific store. <laughs> That's what I think. If I was to write a caption for the Norman Rockwell list of the Chappelle's vivisection of a banal culture, it would be that. The, the old acutely specific store. So when you're doing your Mount Rushmore of comedians, obviously you put yourself first, probably in the George Washington spot. Well, listen, no, I'm not going to do that because you sound like a goofball, but I'm an okay comic. But if I had to pick my tan... Um, uh, oh, that's why did I pick so many? That's I why I said four. Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, I don't even want to do that. I'd have to think about it a little. It takes some time. 
All right. Move her. Uh, there are priors in there. Sure. The prior. And I'll give George. And then the other two I'd have to think about for a while. After that Chappelle thing last night, I... Well, I'd have to examine it because, you know, immediately when I start picking things, I think, uh, oh, I forgot Led Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, that move where you're talking about greatest metal English Brit bands with Jimmy Page in it. <laughs> you name yeah. four and then go, oh, fuck. And he was in that Led Zeppelin thing. You know, the guy from Coverdale Page. Oh, my God. Is it love? <laughs> Remember, folks, Tony Catan doing a Simone Biles on a balance bar. <laughs> 64 Chevy or something. On, uh, working the hood ornament like Kurt Thomas worked a pommel horse. <laughs> Sorry. That's all I have today is the references. I don't have any wisdom today. All, I'm a little down. It's all that we want. So I'm just literally doing the, the game in my head. This is John Gruden. Have you been watching Hard Docs? I have not seen this season, no. He counts backward from 100 by threes. And I thought it was a pretty neat trick because I've got a little Rain Man in my head with numbers. And I kind of kept up with him as he did it on camera. And I had not. And last night he conceded that he memorized it. Oh. You know, because he's trying to show off for rookies. And not show off. That puts too mean a spin on it. He's just trying to have a good time with rookies on the sideline. He'll go count back from 100, and the kid will stay with him for a couple, and John will take it all the way down to the bottom, uh, or one. But last night he conceded that he memorized it. And I kept up with him all the way down to one, and I hadn't even thought of the premise till he said it. So, uh, Christian, give me a math problem to, to break up here, and you, and you can go as fast as you want. But you know, the, the, you yeah. never do this. You hate this because it. But it gives me it's pleasure for me. Right, it just stresses me out. But I'll give you a uh, four hundred plus. Well, 200. you don't have to give me like six or seven things in a row. Uh, four, That's all it has to be. Four hundred plus two hundred and twenty-seven. I'm lost. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's better to start them down low and like, then. Not nine times eight plus fifty. You're right. You want to. Go ahead. Six six subs and we'll be finished with this podcast. Uh, sixty times four, two forty. Minus one twenty three, one seventeen. Times three, three fifty one. Plus one forty nine, <laughs> five hundred. <laughs> All right, there you go. Five five hundred. <laughs> well, thank you. You gave me, you gave me what I asked for, but you you gave none of your own space up for her. You, you haven't conceded a thing. I think you're looking for the number one. It's going to be done sooner, but I didn't do that. And this is the number one podcast. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.